everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, Crimeaholics. Welcome back. It's one of your hosts, Holly. And today is Monday, so it is Missing Monday. Missing Monday is a segment that was created by Kenzie and I to help keep missing persons' name and information in the media the best that we can and to aid in their return home. 90,000 people in the U.S. are missing at any given time, and while some are found alive or deceased, the majority are still missing today. On today's segment of Missing Monday, I will be sharing the information about Ryan Shutka. <music> If you're a part of our Facebook group, you've probably seen me talk about the fact about how much I hate missing persons cases. These are the cases that keep me up at night. I can handle a lot of the details about murder and other various crimes of that sort, but missing persons cases just get me. The ones that there is literally absolutely not a trace, not a single clue, nothing. Ones that are like Mara Murray or Chance Engelbert or Mason Smith. Today's case is no different. It is completely as if this man vanished without a trace. Ryan Shutka was a 20-year-old man who went missing from Sun Peaks Village in British Columbia. Sun Peaks has a small population, but it can be really busy for a little area with people coming in from all over to go to the Sun Peaks Mountain Resort to ski or snowboard. So people were coming in and out of this area all the time, and Ryan actually wasn't from the area either. He grew up in Beaumont, Alberta, which is about a nine-hour drive from Sun Peaks. Ryan's mom describes him as a loyal, fun, athletic, and smart young man. He was very close with his family. They spent every Christmas together, and as a little boy, Ryan had a major love for dinosaurs. On December 1st, 2017, Ryan and one of his longtime childhood friends left behind their families and Beaumont and headed to the little ski resort village. Both men had plans to work at the mountain resort through the winter season and planned to return back to Beaumont in April. Ryan got a job as a lift operator and was really enjoying life away from Beaumont. His family asked him to come home for Christmas, but he told them that he was just going to stay in Sun Peak with his buddies and just enjoy being there and snowboard and whatever else that they were doing. They assured him no problem, that his gifts would be waiting for him when he came home to visit or when he came home for good in April. Things were going really great for Brian. He was having a blast, he was making friends, and just being your average 20-year-old young man. On Friday, February 16, 2018, Ryan worked a full day shift at the resort and had plans to hang out with his friends that night. According to Ryan's website, after work, he went straight home to where he was staying with his roommates and he got ready to head out. Him and his roommates had planned to go to the silent disco event that was hosted by a local pub. 
The evening was like any other Friday night for Ryan and his roommates. They went between a few places, they were drinking kind of heavily, and then they ended up going to this house for an after-party kind of deal. This house was located on Burfield Drive, which was actually a short walk to where Ryan was living. He was at this house with eight of his other friends. Some of them were his roommates, and a few of them were just friends that he had met while working at the resort. At some point, the people who the house belonged to came downstairs and asked those still remaining at the house to settle down or leave for the night. Ryan's friend James, that was from Beaumont as well, decided that he was tired and he was ready to head back to the house, so he left first. Not long after that, Ryan's other roommates, which is a boyfriend and girlfriend couple, decided that they also wanted to head out. Ryan gets up with them and heads towards the door and seemed to be gathering his belongings to leave with them. The couple left the house at around 2.10 a.m. with the thought that Ryan was not far behind them. At one point in the walk, the pair turned around to see how far Ryan was behind them and he wasn't there. And they just chalked this up to him deciding to stay at the house or maybe he got caught up talking to someone and that he would just eventually be following behind them. Which I want to pause here for a second to tell you about an interview I watched with Heather Shutka, which is Ryan's mother. She states in this interview that a lot of people have issues with this story. She said that people believe that there's more to it. She says that she does not doubt that this couple is being truthful. It was negative 20 degrees Celsius that night, which equates to negative 4 degrees Fahrenheit. So it was cold. She says these two people should not bear the responsibility of making sure that her almost 21-year-old son, who is 6 foot and 180 pounds, makes it home. She does not blame them for getting out of the cold. Most of the people in this area are from out of town and they walk everywhere. It is not unusual to see people walking. And she states that there's never been issues in this area of people walking and then something happening to them. So the pair head home and they go to bed and later that morning, which again, they left that house at 2 a.m. So later that morning, when everyone wakes up and begins their day, nobody thought to check to make sure Ryan got home. Again, this wasn't unusual for them to all go out and then walk back home. But around 1130 a.m., Ryan's boss sends a text over to the roommates, which again, all of them work at this same resort. She asks if Ryan is at the house and that he cannot be late because it was going to be a busy day and she needed him there. By the time Ryan's roommates see this text message though, it was about noon. So they text the boss back saying, no, Ryan's not here. And they didn't hear anything back from her. So they assumed that Ryan eventually showed up for work. And Ryan was actually one that sometimes came in a little bit late to work. Ryan would go up the ski lift, ride down. By the time he got to work, he'd be a couple minutes late and he'd take off his gear and start his work day. So it wasn't unusual for Ryan to be late sometimes, but he never not showed up to work. And it wasn't until 7 p.m. when Ryan's boss finally was able to check her phone again and text back that she hadn't seen Ryan. Ryan never showed up. Which this sends red flags for his friends because Ryan was the most reliable guy. He never missed a day of work. He was so reliable that he was actually offered a supervisor position which he turned down because he didn't want the extra work responsibilities. 
So his friends start getting concerned and they call around asking if anyone had seen him or if he had crashed out at someone's house or if he met a girl before he left and stayed with her all night. And nobody had any idea where Ryan was. Ryan's friends began posting in this closed Facebook group that the Sun Peak workers used and it was utilized for people to try and find rides and other helpful things. The roommates also went as far as calling the hospitals to check if maybe he was there. The hospital staff denied having anyone with Ryan's description there and told them if they were so concerned that they should probably call the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, which is also known as the RCMP. It was then that Ryan's family was notified that he was missing. Ryan's father, Scott, speaks of this moment in a documentary called Peaks and Valleys, The Search for Ryan Schutka, and he says that he just had this feeling. The hair stood up on the back of his neck, and he told Heather, we've got to go. So Scott and Heather packed their bags quickly, and they left their home to make the nine-hour trek to Sun Peaks. The RCMP officers told the Shutka family that if they were going to come, please drive careful. They had to travel through the mountains in February, which means lots of snow and extremely dangerous roads. But that didn't stop them. They knew that they had to be in Sun Peaks to help search for their son. Heather describes this drive as the longest but quickest drive of her life. The whole entire drive, their stomachs were in knots. And Scott had to pull over about every 15 minutes or so so that they could stop just to catch their breath. During this long nine-hour drive, Scott and Heather didn't hear a single thing from the RCMP. They assumed that this meant that they had found Ryan and they didn't want to call and give them the worst possible news over the phone that he had been found dead. When they arrived on Sunday in Sun Peaks, they were relieved to hear that Ryan hadn't been found dead. However, it was short-lived when the reality sank in that their son was still missing. They were informed by the search manager that the chances of finding Ryan alive were slim because of how cold it had been. An initial search for Ryan began on Saturday evening, but they really didn't get much of an opportunity to look because of the snow was coming down in massive amounts. Sunday morning, the search resumed at 5 a.m., This search consisted of the RCMP and Kamloops search and rescue team. Dogs were brought in, drones with infrared cameras, snowmobiles were used, and so were helicopters, and not a single sign of Ryan. The RCMP also requested that the locals in the area check their security cameras for any sign of Ryan, as well as checking their properties and their sheds. They thought that maybe it was a possibility that Ryan was disoriented that night and he might have stumbled onto someone's property, got in an old barn or a shed to try and take shelter, and passed away from the elements. But again, nothing turned up. The area behind the house where Ryan was last seen at was a lightly wooded area with a creek. And during the summer months when the snow was all gone, you could actually walk between where this house was and where Ryan was staying. So they thought that maybe Ryan had adventured out that direction to take a shortcut and had gotten lost or stumbled and fell into the snow. They truly didn't know what Ryan's mental state was. They knew that there had been drinking, and it was also reported that Ryan had actually been doing some ecstasy that night. So in his mind, he may have thought that he could have crossed this area in the snow and made it. Initially, searches of the area turned up nothing as well, and dogs that were specially trained in finding people buried in the snow was used in this area, as well as long probes that are used to search for people after an avalanche was used as well. And nothing again turned up of Ryan. 
After a few days of searching and not a single sign of Ryan, the RCMP called off the search. They began speculating that Ryan possibly fell into a gully and then was covered by the massive amount of snow that had continued to fall. Ryan's parents, though, were not giving up. They continued their search the best that they could in the snow for Ryan, and they did this with volunteer searchers. Few tips came in about potential sightings of Ryan, but nothing ever panned out. One man came forward that in the early morning hours of the night that Ryan went missing, he had heard yelling. And the voice that he heard yelling was screaming, quote, get in the car, get in the effing car. However, the location that this happened and where Ryan was last seen is quite the walking distance. It's about a 20 to 25 minute walk. And this hasn't ever been completely ruled out, but they do not believe that this is a connection to Ryan at all. Eventually, the months go by and the weather became warmer and the snow began to melt and everyone held their breaths in anticipation, thinking every single day that they would find Ryan or one of his belongings at the least. And still, nothing. Ryan's family, investigators, and volunteer searchers have scoured the area surrounding Sun Peaks Resort looking for any clues. And literally, nothing has been found. From everything that they can tell, Ryan's phone was never used again, and none of his social media accounts have ever been active after this point, and his bank, which had a decent amount of money in it, was completely left untouched. According to an interview that I watched that Heather did on July 28th of this year, she stated that she and her family have now since moved to Sun Peak so that they can continue their search for Ryan. Of course, with COVID happening, as we've seen in many other missing persons cases, searches with volunteers have stopped, but Ryan's family still do what they can to search for him. It has been over two and a half years since Ryan went missing. There's a lot of theories about what could have possibly happened to Ryan, and I will go over a few of those, but make sure that you're a part of our Facebook group, Crimeaholics Podcast Discussion Group, because I would love to hear some of your thoughts and theories on this case. The first theory I kind of touched on earlier was that something happened at the house and the people who last saw Ryan aren't being truthful. Heather does not believe that this is a possibility. All of the people who were at that house have been questioned. The people who were renting the house had not been drinking that night and their stories all matched up with the other kids that were there. Another theory was that Ryan was taken and forced into human trafficking, and Heather, again, doesn't believe that this is an option either. The village of Sun Peaks was about a 45-minute drive from Kamloops, so the person, if they were to be looking for traffic victims, would have to come into the village to take him, which I agree, this theory kind of seems not very plausible if you think about it because we hear about trafficking cases happening in much larger cities where people can be easily taken and quickly moved to one location to another. The next theory is that Ryan overdosed and those people at the house panicked and hid his body. Heather states in the interview I watched that the resort was set up in a way that their staff knew that if there was something wrong, if somebody overdosed, there would be no repercussions. They would call and you could get the medical attention that was needed and you would not be fired and you would not be in any kind of trouble whatsoever. In her mind, if something had happened, the staff and the people who were with Ryan knew that this was a thing and that they would be able to call and report it and there was no need to hide something like this. 
People also speculate that Ryan was hit by a car and then the person who hit him panicked and took him and dumped him somewhere else. And this theory to me is probably the most plausible. However, when searching for Ryan, there was never any footprints found of Ryan's. There was never any blood found or any other thing that could make you think that a car accident happened. There was no debris, nothing like that. The area that Ryan would have been walking also had an underground walkway that kept walkers off the main road because visibility in this area could be bad when it was snowing. And the last theory that is brought up a lot is that Ryan got lost in the wilderness and just hasn't been found. And while I think this theory is quite likely, and I can see how it's a possibility, I feel that after two and a half years of searching, something belonging to Ryan would have been found. Ryan was last seen wearing dark jeans, a white and gray t-shirt, a navy winter jacket, gray vans, and a burgundy baseball cap. This cap also had a unique logo on it. The logo on it was of the rugby team he played on, and it says Northwestern Athletic Association. Ryan was 20 years old when he went missing. He has blonde hair and brown eyes, and he is six foot tall and weighed around 180 pounds. If you or anyone you know has information on the disappearance of Ryan Shutka, you can contact Kamloops RCMP at 250-828-3000. You can also make an anonymous call at Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. No matter how insignificant you feel your tip might be, they ask that you please call in anyways. If you wish to share your tip with the family, you can do so by emailing them at findryanshuka at gmail.com. Make sure that you're a part of our podcast Facebook group. You can find us on Facebook by searching Crimeaholics Podcast Discussion Group. In there, I will have pictures of Ryan as well as links to his website. Be sure to join Ryan's Facebook group as well that has 30,000 people in it, and his mom is always actively posting about how you can help. You can find that by searching Missing Ryan Shutka. Crimeaholics, until next time, be aware and take care. (laughs) 